Hello, it is good to be here with you. My name is Jason. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, um, welcome to Two Rivers Church. I'm glad to be here uh, with you this morning. Um, when, you, when you get squeezed, when like life, when life squeezes you, uh, what, what is revealed is what's inside of you. Would you agree with that? It's like an orange, right? If I, if I give my buddy AK over here, who's a straight up high school baller in our basketball program at Rocky Mountain High School, by the way, you need to support this guy. Anyway, if I give him an orange and he squeezes it, you're gonna see what's inside the orange, right? When life squeezes, sorry, AK, I called you out right there, but I can't wait to see. We get to start our season on Tuesday and we already talked about how excited we are about that. So um, when our faith gets tested, when our faith in life, like our, our faith, when it gets tested, and uh, show of hands in 2020 was kind of a faith test, right? Faith test in 2020 for all of us. When our faith gets tested, when our faith gets tested, and it has been tested this year, what we really put our faith in is revealed. Would you consider uh, this thought with me? And the thought is this, getting squeezed Having our faith be tested is actually good for us. It's not something that we should run away from. It's not something that we should be afraid of. It's something that we, I believe that we should lean into because um, what it does is it, it strengthens us. It, it, it shows us kind of what's on the inside. Uh, it uh, matures us. It grows us up. It develops our faith muscles, if you will, um, Going through hard things uh, isn't, it isn't easy. Certainly 2020 has not been easy. It's been everything but easy. Uh, so going through hard things isn't easy, but we, we can do hard things and we must learn to do them. As Jesus people, as people who proclaim the grace and the truth and the hope and the freedom and the deliverance that we have in Christ. Like life is a blessing, life is wonderful, life is also hard and we must learn to go through hard things together. And 2020 provided this opportunity for us. Uh, if we think about 2020, like it's, it was an opportunity for growth for us, and I know a lot of us, Lindsay said she's been looking forward to 2020 probably since March, and I as well, I'm looking forward to 2021, excuse me, uh, 2021, it's like, ah, 2021. But let me just share some news with you. Don't let this catch you off guard. 2021 will also provide an opportunity for you. It will also squeeze you. And so don't, let's not like come into 2021 and think, oh, this is okay, 2020's behind us. Let's come into 2021 with gratitude, certainly gratitude, but also with some understanding. We're also gonna get an opportunity from 2021 to grow us up. We've been engaging this reality over the last months in our study of Jude, um, certainly now in our study of Daniel, phrases uh, like gritty faith, the gritty faith of Jude. And the gritty faith of Daniel and his three friends. Uh, phrases like humble yet courageous faith. Those phrases we've been talking about for, for a few months now. And these phrases have really leapt off the pages of scripture as we sat under its teaching. And we'll continue uh, to receive that teaching again today in uh, Daniel chapter 9. It's a famous chapter in the book of Daniel. Uh, it's Daniel's prayer 
It's Daniel's prayer. And um, we're talking about a prayer of Daniel in the sixth century BC. And I'm not sure it could be more relevant than it is for us today. Um, I actually thought that this first Sunday of, of the new year, we would worship and we would uh, pray together and we would take communion together. And it just kind of would just be a day that didn't have a normal message. And the more I spent time over Daniel 9, over the break, the more and more I just felt like, boy, this feels providential to be in Daniel 9 for us today on January 3rd, 2021. Usually when we look at series, I'll spend time and I'll kind of calendar the series and I'll kind of know what chapter or what passage of scripture is going to be on what particular date. Originally, Daniel was going to be over in, um, in December and we we're going to do something new in January. And then we pushed Daniel into January. Uh, I, I just want to tell you, like, I didn't plan that Daniel 9 would be the passage of scripture for this morning. Uh, I believe that God providentially wanted Daniel chapter 9 to be the passage for us this morning. I really believe that. I feel like this is a a providential word for us as we begin this new year uh, together. Um, So I'm I'm very excited to spend some time in Daniel 9 uh, with you. Just some context. It's been a few weeks since we have been engaging in Daniel. Uh, Daniel, um, as we know, he is captive. He is enslaved. Pagan empires uh, outside of Jerusalem. Uh, His whole life First wave in 605 BC, first wave Babylonian Empire comes into Jerusalem, tribe of Judah. Daniel's in the tribe of Judah. He's in the line of David. He is nobility. He is a prince. He is a princely blood. Sophomore in high school, 13, 14. First wave of exiles enslaved. His whole life he'd been held captive. He's around 80 years old now. He's, a, he's been an, a slave for about 67 years at the point that he prays this prayer. A generation, as we get into the prayer, he's going to reference Jeremiah. And the generation before Daniel was the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah's prophecy was to Israel to repent and to change, and to trust God, and obey God. And the warning of the prophet Jeremiah was, if you don't change, and if you don't repent, God is going to bring his divine discipline to you. And he's going to, you're going to be, you're going to be held captive. And the prophecy was for 70 years, actually. Daniel was aware of this prophecy, He's 67 years of his life held captive. He knows in his heart and his mind, he believes the prophecy three more years is the prophecy. And then we get to go home. A, a lot of us know Jeremiah 29, 11, right? We, we see it, we, we write it down. We've, some, of us, some of you probably have it framed in your houses. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope in a... Future. What we don't remember oftentimes about that verse is uh, we kind of just make it like this, this fun little thing that we just kind of hang our, you know, life is good and life's always supposed to be good. Well, that's not what the verse was for. The verse was for the captives to know that God's going to bring them home after 70 years. That's Jeremiah 29, 11. Right before that is Jeremiah 29, 10. Daniel would have known this prophecy This is Jeremiah 29, 10. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, when 70 years of captivity, when my divine discipline is over, 70 years, I will come to you, Israel, and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know 
the plans I have for you. We know uh, because of history and we know from scripture that the first wave of Jews was taken out of Jerusalem in 605 BC. Now it's the first reign of King Darius. We know from history that's 538 BC. You do the math and you realize, Daniel realizes it's very close to being able to go Home. The 70 year period is almost over. The Jews in Babylon would soon be free. Daniel is around 80 years old. He'd been a slave for 67 years. He sees three more years to persevere and he prays this prayer in Daniel chapter 9. Uh, Daniel 9, I'll read the first three verses. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, of Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian empire. That that tells us the year. That tells us the year, it's 538 BC. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, 67 years into captivity, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures referencing Jeremiah, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So, Verse three, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. What that means that he pleaded with the Lord in sackcloth and in ashes in Jewish culture, uh, when they were grieving before the Lord, they would grieve before the Lord in sackcloth and ashes. Certainly grief uh, would encompass lots of different ways that they were grieving, but specifically they would grieve before the Lord because of their own sin. And so they would pray this way in prayer, petition, fasting, sackcloth, ashes. That is what Daniel is engaging in these three verses. Um, Where do you turn when life requires you to persevere? When life squeezes you, when hardship is palpable, like 2020, where do you turn? When life requires perseverance, grit, faith. Who who are the messengers? When you are in grief, When you are persevering, when life is hard, who are the messengers that you listen to? Like, what podcasts do you listen to? What books are you reading? Who who, Who are the messengers that you receive their message when you are in grief, when you are persevering, when life is hard? Who or what counsels you when you need grief counseling? Are you with me? We see Daniel is grieving 67 years of being a slave in a foreign land. And he sees the end three years away, but I still have three more years. And he's grieving before the Lord. Where does he turn? He turns to the Lord God. It was the only place that Daniel knew to turn. We go back to Daniel chapter six, Daniel in the lion's den. And the edict comes down, it's like, you can only pray to the king. And he does, he did the same thing that he did his entire life, morning, noon, night, 
opens his window, faces Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Because the presence of God was in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount and the Holy of Holies. He is praying to God. The only place he knows to turn is to the living God. He prays morning, noon, and night. Sometimes I think we read uh, Daniel 6, we read Daniel 9, and we think about this famous passage, Daniel 9, Daniel's prayer. And we think, man, if I could just be as disciplined in my prayer life as Daniel. I mean, I have thought that. I mean, just think, I'll make five minutes a day. If I could just be more disciplined, I could just confess to you for a minute. If I could be more disciplined to pray literally five minutes, morning, noon, and night, that would benefit me. It would benefit me a lot. If I could just be as disciplined as Daniel. I was having a conversation with Lindsay about this, and I think she's right on this. Um, I don't think Daniel's prayer in Daniel 6 or in Daniel 9, I don't, I don't think it had, has anything to do with discipline. I think it has to do with desperation. He was so desperate for God, so keenly aware of his need for God in his life. He says, I pleaded with the Lord God in prayer and petition and fasting. He was enslaved. He had been enslaved. He would be enslaved for three years more. Yes, we've, we've read the narrative. We see God has favored Daniel from chapter one all the, way, all the way through. Like God is favoring Daniel. He is positioning Daniel. He is providing for Daniel. He's positioning him as um, a person of influence as a slave in a foreign pagan land. Yes, those things happened over and over again, but don't forget Daniel had been enslaved in a foreign land away from Jerusalem his whole life. He was now 80 years old, his whole life since he was a sophomore in high school. That's a long run, you guys. That is a long run of perseverance. He was desperate for God. He understood his need for God. Are you desperate? As we come into 2021, are you desperate for God today in a fresh way? Are you more keenly aware on the first Sunday of 2021 than you were on the first Sunday of 2020 of how much you need God in your life, in your family, in your journey? I am, and I think that's good for us. He goes on in the prayer, verse four. I'll read through verse 14 and we'll talk about a few things. I pray to the Lord, my God, and confess, oh Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. O Lord, we and our kings, our princes and our fathers are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We, 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 are you hearing it? Over and over, we, we, we. 
We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses and the sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing upon us great disaster. Speaking of 67 years of captivity. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. That is quite an honest confession. Um, Let me point out four things. There's a lot of things that we could point out from the beginning of this prayer. I wanna point out four things with you. Uh, The first thing I want us to be aware of as we read these verses and we read this prayer is this. It's important that you understand that Daniel lived in the old covenant era. He speaks about the law of Moses in his prayer. So this is pre-Jesus. Jesus came to inaugurate the new covenant of grace. And when Jesus inaugurated the new covenant of grace, he put an end to the old covenant of law. But when Daniel was living in the sixth century BC, he was living in the old covenant era, the law of Moses. That's important for us to understand as we read these verses. If I could simplify the old covenant law of Moses, uh, it would be this. Obey, obey God, trust God, receive his blessings. Disobey, distrust God, receive his discipline, receive curses. It's um, maybe a simpler way to even understand this. The old covenant of law of this for God's people. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. That's the old covenant. That is the covenant era that Daniel lived in. And we see that old covenant language in the prayer, certainly. This is why Israel had been in Babylon for 67 years. They were under the divine discipline for their disobedience, for their rebellion against God's law. So it's important for us to understand we're reading an old covenant uh, passage here. Uh, Secondly, a second point, uh, there's so many we's, we, 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 we. Daniel, in this confession, in this like gut level, honest confession before God, he did not separate himself from his people. He included himself in the confession. I think that is uh, something to uh, note here. Because Daniel's life was praiseworthy. Daniel's life was praiseworthy. He was faithful. But he included himself and we over and over and over again. Humble, courageous faith over and over again. Why? Because he knows he's a part of the family of God and the community of God. And he's not to be separated from the community of God. So when the community of God has transgressed, he is a part of that community. I I have spent um, time over the years speaking with people who have, uh, have baggage. They have baggage because of, of church experiences in, in their journey. 
And we want to be a place of refreshment, of the refreshment of the freedom that we have in Christ and the grace that we have in Christ. And new covenant grace and freedom is the core of our vision here. And I have found myself apologizing to them on behalf of the church because of the pain that they have been in these legalistic environments that has brought um, a, a, a misunderstanding of the grace and who Jesus is in their life. That's what I see happening in Daniel in his um, in his confession here, when the community transgress, Daniel is included in that because he is a part of the community. Thirdly, uh, this confession is raw. It's just so raw and honest and real and authentic. And making confession is a big part of the process of restoration in our lives. Notice there's no, um, there's no victimization in his language, I mean, I certainly think Daniel could have easily played the victim card. He could have easily um, played the victim card with God. I mean, he he didn't he 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 wasn't the one. It was the it was the fathers. It was the generations before. But he just there's no victimization in his language. There's no blame game going on. There's no pointing fingers. Just humble, honest confession before God, owning. Owning what was to be owned. Taking personal responsibility for things that needed, that he needed, that Israel had to take responsibility for telling the truth. Just telling the truth. Let me sidebar for just a second in terms of confession and restoration. If you think about just relationships with people in your life, that uh, there, there's been brokenness there, or maybe there's brokenness now. Uh, whether it be uh, someone in your family, a parent, a sibling, a friend, someone in your life, a coworker, and it's broken, there's, there's, a, there's, there's restoration that needs to happen. Are you with me right now? Just whatever relationship. If, if, you, act, if you want restoration, if you wanna be a part of restoration uh, in that, um, there, there has to be a sense of, of confession on your own part. If you are seeking restoration relationally with someone in your life and you are not willing to make your own confession, you are not ready for restoration. Even if it's 1%, there's something for us to own. And I think what Daniel is enabling us to understand and see here is the power of true confession and the process of restoration. And let us not be afraid of confession. The mercy of God would invite us to be a people that embraces confession. Fourthly, uh, Daniel calls on the truth of God's covenant and his mercy. Um, verses four to 14, a lot of confession. A lot of raw confession for rebellion and sin and all those things. There's two places in those 10 verses that Daniel calls on God's covenant of love and mercy. Uh, verse four, he says, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. And in verse nine, he says, the Lord our God is merciful. We have been unfaithful, but the Lord is merciful and he is forgiving, even though we have rebelled. I wanna teach you this morning to connect the mercy of God with the compassion of God. And I wanna teach you this morning to connect your forgiveness in Jesus with the mercy of God. 
the mercy of God, the compassion of God is connected to the forgiveness that we receive in Christ. We, we need to understand mercy. There's, um, there's distinctions between mercy and grace. And so we need to understand theologically what the difference is between mercy and grace. What Daniel is calling on in, in chapter nine is the mercy of God, the compassion of God, the forgiveness of God. Grace is to be understood this way. Grace is undeserved or unmerited favor and blessing to you. I'm giving you, it's, you didn't do anything to receive these gifts, but, I'm, uh, but because of grace, it's unmerited, it's undeserved. You get all these things. Mercy is different than grace. Mercy is God withholding deserved discipline and punishment in our life for things we have done. You, are you with me right now? Grace is unmerited favor. Mercy is the withholding of deserved punishment. And, and, and that's what Daniel is calling on in chapter nine. Now that God's divine discipline, 67 years, it was coming to an end. Daniel appeals to God's mercy, his forgiveness. And he proclaims the truth of God's forgiveness over Israel that they could go home they could go home and they could begin anew with a clean slate before God. That's what forgiveness does. It is God's righteousness imputed to us. You are forgiven and you get to go home with a clean slate before God. He's appealing to the mercy of God over and over and over in the prayer. As we continue verses 15 to 19, he says, now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of Egypt, speaking of Moses, bringing people out of enslavery to Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned and we have done wrong. O Lord, in keeping with all of your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem. Wrath is the divine justice of God. Turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all of those around us. They have been taunting us for 67 years. The pagan people of this empire have been taunting us for 67 years. Verse 17, now our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, O oh Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, O oh God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great Mercy, that is a fantastic verse to underline and highlight and remember. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy, because of your great compassion, because you have forgiven us. Oh Lord, listen, oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, you can hear the passion in his voice. Oh Lord, hear and act for your sake. Oh my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. God had dealt with Israel 
with his justice, with his divine discipline. Know this, there had been no unfair treatment. God was not being unfair. He was operating in his divine, holy righteousness. Verse 14 again, Daniel said, he is righteous in everything he does. Even 70 years of being held in captivity, God is righteous in everything that he does. Daniel's appeal is not based on Israel being deserving of anything. His appeal, again, is based entirely on the mercy of God. And the Old Testament consistently emphasizes this reality. The Old Testament, Old Covenant, consistently emphasizes that God, because of his steadfast covenantal love, will ultimately restore and bless his wayward people again and again and again. The word, the Hebrew word is hesed, H-E-S-E-D, and that is translated steadfast love. You guys know the hymn, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The hesed of God never ceases. Out of the book of Lamentations is where we get that wonderful hymn from. Lament, sackcloth, ashes, grief. Mercy, God, thank you for your mercy. Even when we have been unfaithful, you remain faithful. First point of this last passage Even though the people of God had been unfaithful, God would always remain faithful. I wanna remind you of something that Joshua told to Israel, to the whole community of Israel before he was passing away. Remember Joshua? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho. Anyone, anyone, anyone? Grew up in church? No one, no one, no one? Okay, here we go. Um, Joshua takes the mantle of leadership from Moses. You remember the story? Moses leads Israel out of Egypt, Red Sea. Are y'all with me right now? Right? Gets to the cusp of the promised land, sends spies into the land. It's theirs for the taking. They didn't trust God. They were afraid. Everybody but two men were afraid, Joshua and Caleb. And because they didn't believe and trust God, the discipline was 40 years wandering in the wilderness until that generation all passed away and the next generation of God's people would take the land. Who would lead Israel into the land? Joshua. Moses got to stand on the mountain of Mount Nebo. It's on the side of the the Dead Sea, and you can see into Jericho, the Mount of Olives, into Jerusalem. From Mount Nebo, Moses got to see the promised land. Not even Moses got to go in. Joshua, Caleb took him in. Joshua, at the end of his life, speaking to the people, all of Israel, and he wants them to know that they know that they know that God is faithful to his promises. And he says these powerful words, Joshua 23, 14. Now I am about to go the way of all of the earth. I see that the end of my time on this earth is coming to an end. He knows he's about to pass away. And he says to Israel, you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all of the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed ever. God keeps his promises. Great is his faithfulness. Amen? 
This is what Joshua said in Joshua 23. All of the good promises. Generations later, it's Daniel, and he says the same thing. Jeremiah says, uh, earlier we said, oh yeah, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise. Joshua, the good promises of God. God is a promise keeper. Joshua believed it. Daniel believed it, trusted it. Do you believe it this morning? Do you believe it? Do I believe it? Do we believe it? No matter how 2021 might squeeze us, and it's gonna squeeze us, no matter how our faith may be tested this year, no matter how your faith will be tested this year, do you believe at the core of your faith that God will keep all of his promises? I'm, I'm putting all my cards on that table, all my cards, all my faith on that table. When you pray, when you pray, do you pray with a sense of desperation, keenly aware of your need for God. And when you pray, do you pray with confidence that God keeps his promises? It comes, it comes out so clearly in Daniel's prayer that he believes that God is gonna keep his promises. Every second point, every promise has been fulfilled in Jesus. Not one has failed. Um, if you have your Bibles, we're gonna close with this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter one. This is an, another one of those passages that I just go, man, memorize this. Know where this is. This is so empowering. It's so, so huge. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter one, starting in verse 20. No matter how many promises God has made, and God's made a lot of promises, no matter how made, they are a yes in Christ. They are all a yes. Every single promise is a yes in Christ. And so through Jesus, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Here's what that means. When you stand on the promises of Jesus, when you stand that God is faithful, that not one of his promises hasn't come true, is true, will come true. When you declare that all of the promises of God are a yes in Christ and you say amen, you are saying, I agree, I believe that, I'm gonna trust in that and I'm gonna stand on that. The scripture says, when you say amen to that, it's spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you Speaking to you, church family, to River Church in 2021, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He has anointed us. He has set his seal of ownership on us and he has put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. This is powerful truth, church. This is really like powerful authoritative, living word being spoken over you this morning. And so I pray that you believe it and that you allow it to renew your spirit today, that you are restored by it and that you are empowered by it. Um, 
So over your mind, over your heart, over your life, over your dreams, over your future, over your families, over your children, over your marriages. I call on the truth of God's promises today in Jesus. Don't be afraid of confession on the journey. Don't be afraid of confession on the journey. The mercy of God calls confession forward in a way of freedom that is beautiful. So don't be afraid of freedom. Don't be afraid of owning what's ours to own. It's just confession as a new covenant believer is just laying what's not meant for us to carry anymore at the foot of the cross and walking away free. Don't be afraid of confession. The mercy of God calls it forward from you this morning. Humble yourself to receive a fresh anointing, a fresh anointing of the grace of Jesus. And it requires requires humility to receive grace. You've got to swallow some pride. You've got to leave shame at the door to receive a fresh anointing of grace. Are y'all with me right now? To come under the fresh anointing of God's grace means that you believe in the promises of God, that you really are free in Christ. Even though we have been unfaithful, God always remains faithful. Every promise has been fulfilled in Jesus. Not one has failed, not one is going to fail, not one will fail. This church is following Jesus, I'll tell you that. And this pastor and that pastor, we are It's only Jesus and this word. This is what we stand on, this is what we follow. And I say, bring on 2021. And I'm inviting you to join us. And we got a community of people that are desperate for people just like you to know and follow and proclaim Jesus the way Daniel is proclaiming Jesus to us this morning. with a keen sense of awareness. May we pray and trust God like Daniel with a keen sense of awareness of our need and God's faithfulness. Yes, a keen sense of our need, yes, but also God is faithful. He is faithful and he will be faithful. He will never stop being faithful to you. Your sin cannot outdo the mercy and the grace of God. Your broken story is no match for the restoration and the redemption and the mercy of God. And even if you don't believe it, I believe it for you. And the person behind you and the person in front of you and the person to the right and left of you, they are your family and they're gonna believe it for you too. And they're gonna pray for you if you're courageous enough to talk to us about what you're going through. And we hope that you will because we wanna be a safe place for wherever you are in your story to come out here. Because we're gonna believe something really, really awesome and powerful in a fresh way. With a keen sense of awareness of our need and God's faithfulness, with a sense of urgency. Uh, I mean, the urgency in Daniel's voice and his prayer is palpable. Incline your ear and hear us, O Lord. O Lord, don't delay with the resolve of passion. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention and act. That was what Daniel was praying on the old covenant side of the cross. Now we look at this verse. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention and act. And now we're on this side of the cross of Jesus. And we go, he did. And it's Jesus. 
and the cross of Calvary has happened and Jesus rose from the dead and I'm gonna follow the guy that raised from the dead in 2021. That's who I'm gonna follow. The Lord of glory, Jesus himself. Stir up passion in us, Lord. He ha- we, we don't have to ask God to forgive us. He already has forgiven us in Jesus. The blood has already been shed. Just receive it in a fresh way. And I don't know of any other way as a church family to be reminded of that truth that you are forgiven and free. The mercy of God is all over you and the grace of God is all over you. I don't know of any other way to, have, to, to taste and see of the Lord's goodness and to come to the Lord's table together as a church family. My soul has been longing for this for months. And we found this company that has these cute little packets and they look like little half and half like packets. And they're right on there. There are four tables that are around the room. You guys, we haven't taken communion together as a church since the beginning of March. And we're gonna take communion together today to come to the Lord's table together. I wanna remind you of something the author of Hebrews said about this. Because when you come to the Lord's table, you leave shame and you, you leave fear out the door. Here's what the author of Hebrews says. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Say confidence. You come to the Lord's table with confidence. Why? Because it's the throne of grace. So that you may receive a fresh anointing of his mercy and his grace to help us in our time of need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so excited to take communion together with my church family this morning. Uh, Andrew is going to lead a song. And as he leads the song, um, when you are ready, and certainly we want to, you know, keep things spaced out. We don't want to line up at the tables, but when there's space there, uh, just go up and grab one of these little packets. And if if one person of your family wants to go grab a few for your whole family, that's wonderful. And just come back to your seat and have a seat and just hold on to it. And then after the song, when we all have our packets, I'll come back up and I'll lead us and we'll take communion together. We'll feast together and then we'll sing one more song together. Does that sound awesome? Does that sound fun? Um, Let's enjoy the Lord's table together this morning. Come and get your packets when you're ready to do that.